Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We worship an awesome God in the blue states. The, the president's uh, problem is that he was born a Muslim. Not God bless America, God damn America. My Christian faith then has been a sustaining force for me over these last few years. Marriage itself is now being redefined, and at a very incredible velocity. President Obama made it very clear that he wanted to be the abortion president. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Welcome to the history of evangelicals and politics, the Obama era. This is episode 10, Carl Rove's Christian Right. I'm John Fia. As we saw in our last episode, Massachusetts Governor John Kerry surged past Howard Dean in Iowa and New Hampshire and nearly swept the Super Tuesday primaries to all but secure the 2004 Democratic nomination for President of the United States. We'll talk about Kerry's campaign in future episodes, but in the months prior to the 2004 Democratic Convention in Boston, he stayed focused on Bush's handling of the Iraq War. Bush's middle initial, W, stands for Wrong War, in the wrong place, at the wrong time, Kerry said. He accused the president of rushing to war without a plan to win the peace. While social conservatives talked about abortion, marriage, and stem cell research, Kerry tried to reframe the nation's moral debate by pointing to Bush's failure to be honest with the American people about Iraq. The value of truth, he said, is one of the most central values in America and this administration has violated it. Meanwhile, Bush portrayed Kerry as a Massachusetts liberal and a flip-flopper. Kerry was a member of an elite class of Americans out of touch with ordinary citizens. 
His views on Iraq were too vague and confusing, the Bush campaign said. They seized on a March 2004 Kerry appearance at Marshall University in West Virginia, where the presumptive Democratic nominee tried to explain his Senate vote for a bill appropriating $87 billion for the war in Afghanistan and Iraq by saying, actually, I did vote for the $87 billion before I voted against it. At the end of April 2004, most polls showed Bush had a slim lead, but November was a long way away. Evangelicals would be key to Bush's reelection campaign. His chief political strategist, Karl Rove, said that the president could not be reelected without them. In a speech to the American Enterprise Institute in 2001, Rove said that the election of 2000 was so close because 4 million evangelicals failed to turn out and vote. He would not let this happen again. In 2004, evangelicals would be the primary demographic objective of the Bush-Cheney campaign. But Bush and Rove did not need just any old evangelical voters. University of Akron political scientist John Green told Salon Magazine that it was possible that the evangelicals who stayed home in 2000 lived in states like Texas and Mississippi, where pro-Bush outcomes were never in doubt. Rove needed evangelicals in the swing states, places like Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, and Florida. Bush victories in these states would get him the 270 electoral votes he needed for a second term. Rove and the campaign's efforts to attract evangelicals will be the focus of our next 10 to 15 episodes of this podcast. But in this episode, we want to offer a snapshot of the Christian right in 2004. As the campaign for president began, the Christian right was about 25 years old. And since this is a history podcast, it is important that we remain sensitive to change over time, even as we also point out some of the continuities in the mission of the Christian right between 1979 and 2004. While the movement remained focused on time-honored issues, such as abortion, pornography, marriage, family values, free market capitalism, and the use of political power to advance their views on these issues. The institutions of the Christian right, which we introduced briefly in episode five, had changed considerably over a quarter century. For example, Jerry Falwell closed the moral majority in 1989. Falwell was still railing against what he saw as the moral decay of American society, but he was getting older and seemed more content in lobbing the occasional culture war grenade from his bunker in Lynchburg, Virginia. The moral majority's successor, the Christian Coalition, was still in business in 2004, but its two most important leaders, Pat Robertson and Ralph Reed, had left the organization to pursue other culture war-related initiatives. It was no longer as influential as it had been in the 1990s. So what did the Christian right look like in 2004? Political scientists Green, Kimberly Conger, and James Guth have published the best study of the movement during the Bush-Kerry campaign, and much of this episode is based on their findings. 
The two most widely known groups associated with the Christian right in 2004 were Focus on the Family, based in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and its sister organization, the Family Research Council, based in Washington, D.C. Family values advocate James Dobson founded both organizations. At the turn of the new millennium, he had surpassed Falwell and Robertson as the most important voice of the Christian right. Dobson was born in 1936. His father, grandfather, and great-grandfather were clergymen in the Church of the Nazarene, a conservative evangelical denomination known for its Wesleyan theology and strict moral codes. He graduated from the church's tiny Pasadena College, now Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego, and earned a PhD in psychology from the University of Southern California at a time when many evangelicals were skeptical of psychology and other non-faith-based remedies for mental health issues. Dobson spent the first part of his career on the faculty of the USC School of Medicine and the staff of the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, where he worked in the Division of Child Development and Medical Genetics. He was no academic slouch. His work on childhood education and mental retardation appeared in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine and the Journal of Pediatrics. In 1970, Dobson became a household name in evangelical circles when he published Dare to Discipline, an argument against Benjamin Spock's popular 1947 child-rearing book, Baby and Child Care. While Spock called on parents to celebrate the individualism and freedom of their children in their early years, Dobson called for discipline, even corporal punishment if necessary. He taught that spanking children was an appropriate parenting technique, but it should not be done in anger. He stressed that mothers and fathers must always follow a spanking with an affirmation of love. Dare to discipline was a rebuke to the permissive culture of the 1960s and to academic psychology's failure to acknowledge insights from the Bible and Christian theology. In a day of widespread drug usage, immorality, civil disobedience, vandalism, and violence, we must not depend on hope and luck to fashion the critical attitudes we value in our children, Dobson wrote. That unstructured technique was applied during the childhood of the generation that is now in college, and the outcome has been quite discouraging. Permissiveness has not just been a failure, it's been a disaster. The book sold 4.8 million copies between 1970 and 2008 and profoundly shaped the way conservative evangelicals thought about parenting. Dobson followed these books up with Hide or Seek, Building Confidence in Your Child in 1974, What Wives Wish Their Husbands Knew About Women in 1975, and The Strong-Willed Child in 1978. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As historian Hilde Lovedahl Stevens writes, these books spread the message that God's plan was for the family and society to thrive when husband and wife adhered to godly ordained roles, children respected parental authority, and when sex was limited to a monogamous, heterosexual, and lifelong marriage. In 1977, Dobson started Focus on the Family, a 30-minute show broadcast on Christian radio stations around the country. Dobson's homespun style, common-sense approach to parenting and marriage, and his catchphrase, turn your hearts toward home, made him an instant evangelical celebrity. Evangelicals listened to him as they commuted to and from work, identifying his voice immediately as they punched through the program channels on their car radios. Stay-at-home moms picked up parenting tips as they did housework or shuttled the kids to school and practice. Over the next 15 years, Focus on the Family started producing video series, a newspaper column, and monthly magazines. It had a mailing list of more than 3 million and eventually built an impressive headquarters in Colorado Springs that employed 1,200 people and had its own zip code. Dobson's view of the family was always entwined with culture war politics, but in the late 1980s, focus on the family took a more decided turn toward electoral politics. Focus on the Family Citizen, a public policy magazine, was first published in 1987, and statewide focus on the family chapters were founded a few years later. In 1995, Dobson started the Focus on the Family Leadership Institute, a program that invited college students to focus on the family headquarters for seminars on Christian politics, biblical worldview, and family values. As we have already seen in an earlier episode of this podcast, Dobson was an outspoken critic of Bill Clinton in the 1990s and called for his impeachment in 1998. In 2003, after 26 years at the helm, Dobson stepped down as the CEO of Focus on the Family and continued his political engagement from his post as the chairman of the board. Dobson founded the Family Research Council in 1983, and it quickly became the most visible manifestation of Focus on the Family's turn toward politics. Jerry Rieger, an official in Ronald Reagan's Department of Health and Human Services, served as the council's first president. But the organization became a political force when Gary Bauer, Reagan's director of the White House Office of Policy Development, took over in 1988. Unlike Ralph Reed, who believed evangelicals should always work in cooperation with the Republican Party, Bauer took a more confrontational approach taking the GOP to task whenever its leadership or platform swerved from Christian right views on prayer in public schools or abortion. 
Bauer left the Family Research Council in 2000 to run for president of the United States and was replaced by Ken Connor, a Florida anti-abortion activist who mounted a failed gubernatorial campaign in 1994. He lost to Jeb Bush. Connor served two years as CEO and president of the Family Research Council. And during his tenure, the nonprofit launched a Center for Human Life and Bioethics and a Center for Marriage and Family. Both centers were tasked with providing the nation's lawmakers with critical research on public policy affecting the family. Louisiana politician Tony Perkins replaced Connor in 2002. Perkins graduated from Jerry Falwell's Liberty University and had stints in the U.S. Marine Corps and as a Baton Rouge police officer. In 1992, he was accused of failing to report an illegal conspiracy by anti-abortion activists to his superiors in the Baton Rouge Police Department. He also publicly criticized police tactics designed to stop pro-life activists from restricting access to a local abortion clinic. In violation of Baton Rouge police rules, Perkins wrote about the incident in a conservative publication. He was suspended from the force and eventually quit. Using one's authority as a police officer to violate the law in order to save babies from being aborted might have gotten Perkins in trouble with the city of Baton Rouge but it made him a hero among the Christian right. After leaving the police force, he was elected to the Louisiana House of Representatives, where he served two terms running from 1995 to 2004. As a member of the state legislature, Perkins fought for causes near and dear to the Christian right. He authored bills requiring Louisiana public schools to install internet filtering software, observe moments of silent prayer, and teach America's Christian heritage. While campaigning against abortion in Louisiana, Perkins took the floor of the legislature and showed films of unsanitary conditions at a local women's clinic in the hopes of closing it down. Following his service in the Louisiana House, Perkins worked as the campaign manager for newspaper editor Woody Jenkins' third unsuccessful run for the U.S. Senate. During the campaign, Perkins paid $82,500 for the phone bank list of former KKK leader David Duke. Perkins claims he was unaware of the purchase, despite the fact that his signature appears on a document authorizing it. This story no doubt contributed to Perkins' own failed Senate run in 2002, but it was not enough to sink his candidacy for president and CEO of the Family Research Council. As we will see, Perkins and the Family Research Council will be an important part of our story moving forward. While focus on the family and Family Research Council would do most of the heavy lifting for George Bush's campaign in 2004, other Christian right organizations would also do their part. The American Center for Law and Justice an extension of Pat Robertson's Christian coalition, led by his disciple, lawyer Jay Sekulow, was formed to counter the legal influence of the American Civil Liberties Union. Most of its work dealt with religious liberty cases. Beverly LaHaye's Concerned Women for America, founded in 1978, 
was still doing battle against feminism, gay marriage, and abortion rights. Don Wildman's American Family Association, known for its boycotts of businesses and television shows that promoted obscenity, abortion, homosexuality, and other sins, was coming off of campaigns against Taco Bell for distributing cards and children's meals that Wildman thought were akin to tarot cards, and the popular mall clothing store Abercrombie & Fitch for apparently using blatant pornography in its catalogs. In the 1990s, Wildman went after one of my favorite all-time television dramas, NYPD Blue, for showing brief nudity, but I digress. So what kind of people supported and worked for these Christian right organizations in 2004? Most of them identified religiously with words such as evangelical, fundamentalist, or spirit-filled Christian. A belief that the Bible was the literal word of God informed their activism. The majority of those involved in and with these organizations went to church more than once a week. The Christian right in 2004 was overwhelmingly white and over 35 years old. About 62% of its constituency sent their children to Christian schools or taught them at home. Most, but not all of them came from the South and only a tiny number lived in major cities. Christian right activists were well-educated. Seven out of 10 graduated from college and nearly 40% had postgraduate degrees. They worked as lawyers, teachers, journalists, engineers, computer programmers, and accountants, occupying what Green Conjure and Guth described as the knowledge professional class and the technical professional class. Smaller numbers of Christian right activists could be found among the ranks of clergymen, small business managers, and blue collar or clerical workers the vast majority made under $100,000 a year. These activists described themselves in 2004 as either conservative or extremely conservative, and as might be expected, leaned heavily toward the Republican Party. Only 4.2% of them actually identified as independent or Democrat. They thought that George W. Bush was doing a good, but not an excellent job as president and had virtually no confidence that Congress, despite a Republican majority in both houses, or the Supreme Court could advance their agenda. In fact, more than 70% of Christian right activists believed that the Supreme Court was the greatest threat to Christian values in America, followed closely by public schools. In terms of specific policy issues, the Christian right placed moral issues defined predominantly as the opposition to abortion, as their most important priority. These issues were far more important than foreign policy, the economy, or the reform of the political process. They opposed activist judges, defended school vouchers, championed a pro-marriage amendment, and called for the U.S. support of Israel. They favored the protection of rights for religious people, homeschoolers, victims of crime, gun owners, and traditional families, and sought to curb the rights of gays and lesbians, atheists, Muslims, African-Americans, and women in the workplace. 
the 2004 Christian right also believed that being a good citizen was an important part of being a Christian. And all social problems in America could be traced directly to the nation's moral decay, making political engagement crucial to the protection of American values. Like Old Testament Israel, the Christian right preached that America would prosper to the degree that its people obeyed God. The majority of Christian right activists engaged in politics through campaign contributions, writing to public officials, and signing petitions. Less than half, however, attended public meetings or campaign rallies, distributed voter guides, participated in boycotts, engaged in fundraising, registered voters, or wrote a letter to the editor of their local newspaper. And most of them did not get involved in politics until Jerry Falwell, the moral majority, and Ronald Reagan woke them up in the 1970s and 1980s. Yes, these were the evangelicals that Karl Rove hoped to mobilize in the swing states come November. Stay tuned to see how he went about such mobilization and whether he was successful. The History of Evangelicals and Politics is produced by Casey Lehman. It is a podcast for patrons of Current, an online platform that includes daily commentary, reflection, and judgment from diverse and talented writers representing positions across the political spectrum. Current also hosts The Way of Improvement Leads Home, a blog dedicated to reflections on American history, politics, religion, and academic life. This podcast is made possible by our patrons. Please consider supporting us by heading over to currentpub.com and clicking the red support button. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.